And now, podcasting from a two-person hot tub, high atop the Butterfield Park water tower, it's the E-Town Lowdown, created by Robbie and Rick. And now, your handsome hosts, PK, Rick, and their highly paid intern, Malort. Welcome to another edition of the E-Town Lowdown, and we're here in the hot tub. It's August. It's been a hot summer. We haven't had a guest up here since May, right, PK? Yeah, it's been a while, but you know what, Rick? It's back to school time. But I'm excited because today's guest is long overdue. She's the superintendent of Elmhurst Community Unit School District 205 and has been since July 1st, 2021. Dr. Keisha Campbell, welcome. Thank you. It is such a privilege to be here with you today. And I sort uh, of feel like we're in the principal's office. I, I sort of feel like we are too, but she's <laughs> she's the boss of the principals. Right. So, uh, I think uh, it, uh, she's probably been in the principal's office. We'll have to ask her about that later, though. Yeah. So anyway, it's a welcome, different dynamic. Welcome, and Thank uh, you. we want to get to know you and maybe help the community get to know you a little bit better. So, tell us about. Growing up, where you grew up, um, how you got to be Dr. Keisha Campbell. Wow, wonderful. Thank you again for having me. Um, I am no stranger to Elmhurst and particularly Elmhurst School District 205. My family, I am one of four. My parents, uh, Richard and Dolores Robinson, my father, um, unfortunately, is no longer here with us. He passed away in 2012. Um, but my parents um, had four children and two boys and two girls. I am the third child and like to say the favorite, even though my <laughs> siblings <laughs> would get me with that. Yeah, I'm guessing you'd be in trouble when they hear this. Um, and um, my family located, relocated to the Elmhurst community. Um, actually going into my, the summer, um, of sixth grade. And so my oldest brother, um, was away in college when we moved, um, to the area. My second oldest brother was a freshman beginning his freshman year at York high school. Okay. Me being the third child, I um, began my sixth grade year at Bryan Middle School and my younger sister, the baby of the family, um, Keela, um, she was actually starting at a kindergartner at Jackson Elementary. So where would your brother have gone to school had your family not moved? Proviso West. Proviso West. So we we um, moved from um, a little town called Bellwood. <laughs> we know Bellwood. Sure. You know Bellwood. My yeah. good friend Daryl Whistler was in Bellwood for a long time. Is that where he? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we we lived in Bellwood. Um, we attended we attended private uh, schools when we were there in Bellwood, and um, my family wanted to was looking for an opportunity to uh, move to a community. Um, and one of the uh, top number one kind of objectives was a community that really offered strong public education. And you started at Bryan Middle School. I started so at Bryan Middle my School. My first question about that, was it called Bryan Middle School at the time or, or was it junior high? 
You're so much younger than us. It one. was it was it was called Brian Middle School. Okay, okay. Yeah, not sure. Oh, when before that, that it was Oh, it was junior junior high. Yeah, Brian mm-hmm. Brian Sandberg and Churchville Junior High when this old guy was in school. Oh actually okay. and were they were they sixth, seventh or just seventh and eighth? No, when I went it was seventh and eighth. Yeah. But when my right. younger brother went right. he went the first year, he's three years younger than me. Yeah. The first year that they went to the three years, but they didn't call it a middle school for they a didn't. while. Okay. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. I don't know what yeah. year that would have been that they actually changed the name. So I was just curious. We're too old to know. To yeah, know. We're, okay. We're, yeah. we're both very old. So so yeah. you went to Brian. Went um, to Brian. How did you like that? Loved it. Loved it. Loved Brian. It was so fun that last year, um, as you mentioned, my first year of the superintendency, and I had the opportunity to visit various campuses. When I my first visit to Brian, they had found my yearbook picture of oh, my wow. eighth grade year. Wow. Co- yeah, it wasn't a wow because they copied it and then blew it up and had it <laughs> on the wall when I walked in. Nice. Um, and it kind of was. Yeah, that was a little. That was a little different. That was my my greeting, but well, I'm sure you don't look a day yeah, older little- <laughs> now than you did then, right? <laughs> well, they, you know, I actually took a picture of it, and then I went home and I showed my mom, and my mom's response was, "Oh my gosh, you looked older then than you do now." Oh, and I was like, um, "But it was so funny. Like I had a, I had a, a a blazer on, so I was, you wow. know." Had wow. the blaze of the professional look going on then. Very nice. Um, but yeah, I graduated from Brian and then went on to the one and only York Dukes. She was, right. a, she was a, well, I'm not going to say what we used to call it, but I was a York Duke also. So uh, what did you do in those days with yourself for fun? You know, junior or middle school and high school. Middle school and high school. Besides study, of course. I'm sure uh, yeah. you were hitting the books hard. Very much so. I've always been very academically focused. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Not surprised. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think just, you know, typical, typical teenager. I really enjoyed um, hanging out with with friends. Um, as I mentioned, I come from, you know, a, a very close. I have a very close knit family. And so we look forward to having our um weekend family adventures um, and visiting other family members. I have a a plethora of cousins that were around the same age. So I'm hanging out with them. But really, I um, enjoyed in terms of extracurricular activities. Um, I started to play the piano at a pretty young age. So I was a pianist. And then I took on um, the clarinet. Um, The old liquor stick. My mom was a clarinet player and yeah. a piano player. Yeah. Okay. Not yeah. accomplished, but she did both. Yeah. yeah I I gave it, I, I did my best with the clarinet. I will say that. <laughs> but I just wasn't that, that great at it. But anyway. Um, and then. Could you I, play, I, I got to ask, could okay. you play Rhapsody in Blue? Doesn't that have a lot of clarinet, right? Do you know George Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue? I don't know. Do you know that piece? Uh, I do know that It was piece. the United Airlines yeah. theme. Oh, that. Yeah. The thing, yeah. Is it in the tunnel? Mm-hmm. I think that was, wasn't that a it's lot of the... clarinet or not? I don't know. Anyway. I don't know. Sorry, yeah. I threw you off yeah, there. Yeah, no, right? it's okay. Yeah. I, you know, I, I was a very just like strong third chair, third, fourth chair. So did you, did not you, not first chair. Wait, yeah. if, I, if I think in, in my vast amount of research, mm-hmm. did I read you were in the band in high school? I was. Or was that playing the clarinet? Yes. Wow. Not the I was piano. In the band in well. middle school and in high school. <laughs> you yes. didn't drag the piano down the street? I didn't. No. <laughs> no, but that's yes. neat though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Great. And then I have to mention that I was a cheerleader. Oh, at York yeah. all four years. For real. I yeah. know a cheerleader. And, um, married and, to one. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. married to a cheerleader. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, love her. Love her. Of course you do. We all love her. Mm-hmm. What's not to love? Yes. Um, so cheerleader, mm-hmm. everybody knows cheerleaders are at football games and basketball games. Any other sporting events that you cheered at at York? You know what? I will some of my greatest memories was um being there for our state cross country championships oh, yeah. and cheering and Joe being Newton. Along. Yes. Yeah. The long yes, green line. The long green line, absolutely. And That's great. being on the bus afterwards and hanging out the windows singing We Are the Champions. Um That was those probably were the some first great time memories. when cheerleaders really started to um broaden their reach. Like because they did just used to do a lot of football and basketball, mm-hmm. but at right. York with cross country being yeah. such a big thing, I mm-hmm. could see right. how that went. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did um, you have any teachers that you really remember that really stood out at either Brian or York that you'd like to mention? And if you don't want to, that's fine too. I know you're probably afraid of offending <laughs> this one or offending that one, but is there, is there one or you don't even have to say a name, maybe what subject they taught and, how they made a difference in your life? Yeah, no, I will. So um, there were so many teachers. And yes, I'm, I'm going to avoid from starting to do some personal naming of them. Okay. Um, but I will say at middle school, um, I really was appreciative of my math instructor um, just because I was really intimidated by the subject matter, the content. Mm-hmm. And um, she really was so encouraging and helped boost my confidence um, in the subject matter and was really, um, you know, really, I just think really encouraged me and allowed me to embrace um, math that then allowed me to go on and and be pretty successful in it, even in the high school, even though personally, I didn't see myself as a strong math content or mathematician. Um, So that that really stuck out to me. That's great. That yeah. she gave you that kind of confidence. She yeah. did. Yeah. She did. And then I think at the high school level, there were so, I mean, there were so many um, and teachers that were just supportive, encouraging. Um, I was so fortunate because I knew earlier on that I wanted to um, be an educator and be a teacher. And so we have a phenomenal program called Invite to Teach. Um, that then allows, you know, senior year, junior, senior year to be a teacher assistant in some of the elementary or the middle school classrooms and just to continue to explore being in a classroom setting and supporting. And so just teachers that really at an early, you know, in high school and, and middle school, just to help cultivate that passion and um that I had for going into education and giving me opportunities, talking about that, exploring that. Um, it's really phenomenal. So when you were in high school, at what point did you know you wanted to get into education right away later on? Oh, or long after high school, long before high school, Okay, long, before. long before high school. My mom tells the story that, you know, when I went as, as young as she could remember, she said that I was had, this idea that I wanted to teach and that before I maybe even knew to call it that she said, I would line up my teddy bears. Like she's talking about like four or five years old that I would line up my teddy bears and she would come in the room and see me with the book reading to them and talking to them. And 
playing teacher. Playing teacher. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. Did you have a, a ruler? No. Okay. No ruler. I, I had a teacher <laughs> in first grade. She's long gone. And yes, it was in the school district, but you're really old. She, was- she had a yardstick and she had a, she had a finger and she liked to stern and poke, but, uh, oh, wow. but I loved her. She was a great, I'm honestly a great teacher. It was just a different era. And yeah. there, was a little, there was a little tough love going on in the yeah. grade schools, uh, over 50 years ago. Okay. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a lot older than you. Um, so I know you're very, very fond of your parents and how they raised you. Can you give us some um, examples Mm of what about your upbringing really Mm -hmm. made you who you are today and Mm -hmm. what maybe some of your family uh, traditions were, whether it be dinner table or whatever that made you who you are? Yeah, that's really, really appreciate that question. So a couple of things and that that stick out to me about my um, upbringing and some of my values. Um, first and foremost, um, we had a very strong um, faith based, um, uh, you know, values. And, and so we attended um, church um, regularly. That was a part of just our regular weekend routine, mm-hmm. um, was attending church and not only attending church, but just being active in the community, in our church community and being a part. And I think of the community and finding ways to, um, give back, um, in, in various ways. And, and I think just to, to think about Earlier on, my family really instilled in us um, the values of giving and serving others and um, looking for ways to add value. So I would definitely say um, my um, the, the, the faith um, based um, values that was instilled. Um, also, my family and my parents had very, very, very high um, expectations um, for education and for schooling and for learning. So both of my parents um, are were first generational college grad students, um, graduates of college. And so that was just, you know, something that was instilled in us that school is important, learning and education is important. My mom um, happened to be an educator as well, even though she oftentimes leads with I did not influence Keisha to be a teacher and educator, um, but my mom um, retired after serving for 47 years wow. as an educator. Wow. Wow. That's, that's incredible. The last, but what is super, super incredible that I have to share this is that the last um, 26 of those years in education, she was a building principal. And for her entire 47 year career, she served at the same school. Oh, my gosh. So she came right out of college as a teacher, served at that same school. So just think wow. about the. Did they, did they name the school after they, her? They, yeah. <laughs> they did name the school after her, but she definitely um, is is thought of and very have there's so many family just generations so along the lines of um your family and education being so important yes i know you're perfect and you never did anything bad at school and you got a pluses in every (laughs) subject but let's just say you had three siblings so there's four of you (laughs) one of you had to every once in a while maybe get a little bit of a poor grade on a test or not hand something in or misbehave in class what did that look like in the household 
when one of you did something that was less than perfect and you don't have to name which sibling it was, but I mean, how, how did that discipline or that, that, um, importance in that, that emphasis on education come across if one of you was a little out of line? Yeah. You know, my, my parents, they, they were so like, they spent time talking to us and, you know, I think because there's a little bit of an, there's a little bit of an age gap. And so, you know, I think my sister, my, my siblings, we joke around to say that, you know, the, the girls, myself and my younger sister, the baby of the family, we didn't get in trouble a lot because we watched just all of the mistakes that my older siblings right. did. Okay. Mm. And the things that I saw that really upset mom and dad and we tried to avoid those. Um, but you know what? They, they, they really just a lot of just talking, a lot of talking, a lot of conversating um, and conversing. We, we had family meal times where we, you know, oftentimes my, my parents were, Obviously, my mom was in education. There were long hours. My father um, was in in corporate world. And and so sometimes they're, you know, impacted where he was away traveling and, and, and so forth. But when we could be together as a family, we would we would sit down and have family meals and talk and reflect. And I think that's when they instilled in us this idea that it's okay to make mistakes, um, but it's also really important for you to learn from the mistakes. So they would oftentimes ask us questions as to, okay, so what did you learn from that? Or, okay, so what would you do differently? Um, and I think that that was a part of our, our rearing and our upbringing. That's, that's really impressive. So much to be said for the family <laughs> dinner table. No kidding. Yeah. Give us a quick synopsis of you, you graduate from York and yeah. where you went to school, how you made that decision your exact major and yeah. what maybe you did when you were in college. Yeah. So I was so privileged to be a golden apple scholar. Um, I was nominated by actually three staff members at York high school um, because of they they knew of my just passion and um, commitment to being an educator. So that afforded me to go to a state school um, with um, some pretty significant um, you know, um, scholarship, um, opportunities for my commitment to then in return to, um, teach, come back and to teach in state, um, in a particular area of, of need is, okay. is what the, the scholarship, um, provided the opportunity. So I then chose Illinois State. University, go Redbirds, and um, majored in elementary education and um, did that in four years and came home and stuck to my commitment and started my teaching career. Did it uh, change you going away to college a little bit at least? You know, I think to be honest, if I had a do over, it was I was so focused <laughs> on really just on, on really on on my education that I look around and even my younger sister and those that came out and I tell college students this now that go away yes you're going away for your studies obviously and to get your degree but make sure you also enjoy that time that's like the best it's you are away 
and you are able to somewhat be an adult without all of the adult responsibilities and the bills that come with it. Right. So I think that, you know, I was really, really focused in college and, um, yeah, like, you know, so just, it sounds like you're regretting. Maybe you're a little too focused. I, I was going to say, I heard it, uh, or I saw a bartender yeah. in college wearing a shirt that said, don't let your classes get in your way of your education. Meaning the education is more than just in the classroom. Don't let, yeah. You're learning life lessons. Yeah. It was on a bar table, so you saying. have to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. No, but yeah, I, yeah, that's 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 true. Like yeah. well, I lived in the dorm all four years. Did you did you get involved in you. any extracurricular activities? I sang, and I'm not really a good singer, but somehow they convinced me. I joined the um, the gospel choir. Yeah. Okay. You do well, have a mic in front of you right now. If you yeah, want to give no, it, no, I, no, I, I, if you thing. want to knock out fever mm-hmm. for us, <laughs> you will quickly learn that is not a gift of mine. So tell me, give us an idea of what your first job was, where it was, and doing what exactly. I assume it was a teaching job after graduating. Yes. Yeah. So after graduating, I returned um, back here, and my first teaching job was uh, fourth grade. Um, at a school that no longer exists called Goldblatt Elementary, hmm. which is on, was on, located on the west side of Chicago. It is now since closed. Um, and yeah, it was it was phenomenal. Was it nine, ten year olds, something like that? Fourth grade about? Fourth grade, yeah. Did eight, you, did you eight, say nine? you had a commitment mm-hmm. to fulfill uh, to, for your um, scholarship? Yeah. And so what, what, what time commitment was that? Yeah. So at the time, um, I had a four year commitment to come back and to teach right. um, in an area that was deemed an area of need. Gotcha. Um, and so while I was away in college, I would come home and stay on part of Golden Apple um, scholarship would provide intensive summer support and training. Mm -hmm. And I would stay on DePaul University Mm. um, campus. And they would then bus us into various schools um, across the city of Chicago. And I served as a tutor during their summer school program. So some of their summer school bridge programs for students um, in in middle, intermediate and middle school. Um, And so that'd be an interesting time too. Because instead of being down at normal in in normal Illinois, you're in Chicago. I'm in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Working and hope as and a, really helping as a to, young lady to you develop know, my yeah. craft. Yeah, right. And right. how did you yeah. transition from being a teacher to an administrator? So I, um, after my first year, I actually um, in the summer after completing my first year of teaching, went back to school. Um, to the University of Illinois at Chicago campus um, to start my master's program in instructional leadership with an emphasis on reading, writing, and literacy. Um, that allowed me to also get my reading specialist certification. And at the time, um, actually at the school that I was at, uh, one of my coaches was just had received a promotion to become a principal and she worked with me. She was my coach. She knew of my practice as a classroom teacher. She actually tapped me and asked me to come with her and be her building wide um, reading specialist and literacy coach. So that was my first leader opportunity outside of the Mm -hmm. classroom. I have to say that I've always been super committed to teaching. And so the idea of actually leading outside of the classroom in my work, extending behind 
behind the beyond the classroom was something that I didn't necessarily pursue. Um, but I'm so appreciative to other leaders and individuals in my life that saw that as an opportunity and actually a potential gift and then asked me to come. And so I then left the classroom and that was my first leadership opportunity after that. And then soon after that, um, I was approached. Um, they were opening opening up a new um, receipt. CPS had just received a new grant called the Striving Readers Grant, and they were looking for coordinators to work across multiple schools to support their principals and their teachers with providing really focus-intensive instructional support um, to, to some students that were still in the middle school struggling with reading, writing, and literacy. And so they asked me, would I come and be a coordinator? And so that then allowed me to have the opportunity to work across multiple campuses. And while I was doing that work, I became very intrigued and inquisitive about the role of leadership and and the impact specifically that principal leaders have on building the capacity for staff members to continue to grow and engage in learning that directly impacts students. Is it a, is it a almost like in our in our corporate world like a a corporate culture, like a school culture. Yes, that they very, very much so. And I just, I just started to have questions, and I think that's what you know. What great, I think we talk about lifelong learners. It's like you start to have questions, and you start to see, and you start to wonder, and you keep asking questions, and you go on the search for your answers. So my questions around leadership caused me to then enroll in a doctoral program around yeah. leadership. So that was my next step. Yeah, right. <laughs> then you you took an you took another step in between there, right? But before you came here? Yes. So then after um enrolling in that doctoral program, I had the opportunity to be a principal intern for a while and then I actually became a principal leader um for several years and um the my organization just saw just the tremendous um, just impact that we were able to have for kids. And so then they asked me to come and be a support and leader to other principal leaders to replicate in many ways and to help build that, that, that capacity. That was my dissertation was in is just really how do you build leadership capacity across the organization to have the greatest and impacts on student outcomes. And so I actually then, after completing my doctoral program, I actually got to live into my research and to work across multiple school campuses. And so just before coming to Elmhurst, I had a total of nine schools, um, specifically portfolios um, that I directly led. Um, I was My title was the director of school leadership. Mm-hmm. And so I directly led and facilitated um, the support from professional development to on site coaching um, across multiple school campuses. And where were those schools? Those schools were were led were located throughout the city oh, of well, Chicago. Chicago. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question. Do you have your dream job now? <laughs> this is this is definitely um, a dream job. I think I actually used those words when um, on the night that the board took action on my contract that this is a dream come true to um, come back and to um, bring just my over 20 years um, of experience as an educator um, to bring it back full circle um, to the place that was so 
foundational and formative for my um education trajectory full circle kind full of circle totally and i know that's an intimidating process that interview process were you confident you were going to get the job or were you i'm never going to get this job what was your attitude there <laughs> You're a very positive person. I mean, that that comes across right away. Yes. Very positive, confident. Absolutely not. Um, No, it's it. It was definitely a very rigorous process. Um, Our board had engaged um, in just engaging the community. Right. In so many stakeholder interviews and collecting data as to some of the competencies and the skills that they were looking for in a superintendent. And then they crafted um, a progress, a process that allowed to assess for those skills and those competencies. And, you know, Elmhurst is, is so special and it's so unique. And I think that it is um, for anyone that's an educator and a leader looking to, you know, have an impact and an influence. I mean, it it is, it is a dream landing. And so, of course, I knew, and this was a, a national-wide search um, that the Board of Education was engaging in. So I think to, to, to say it, I was extremely humble throughout the entire process. How did you become aware of the opportunity? Great question. Because I am also a parent, I received communication about there possibly being a transition in the board beginning to, um, you know, look for their next leader. And actually, my husband saw the email first and called me. I'll never forget that. He picked up the phone and called me. He was like, did you just see the email we received? And I was Hmm. like, no, what email? And he went on to tell. and, And he actually, I have to give him credit, was like, you know what that means? And I just was like, Nope. He so was, is it difficult to work in the community that you have this role in or live in the community that you have this role in? No, it's not. I actually think that, um, you know, it allows community members and just neighbors to just really know my level of just investment yeah. in the community. So I see it as a benefit by being a part of the community returning back and also you know having grown you know grown up here as definitely an advantage and I really appreciate like you know my neighbors my friends you know previous classmates um you know they they I'm still able to to show up and just be Keisha and not superintendent Dr. Keisha Campbell right like in in various settings and so I really appreciate that that it's one aspect of my life but there's 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 so many other aspects. Yeah. Well, in, in my observation yeah. is you have a lot of enthusiasm. I have I have spies in the school district. I okay. won't say who they are, but <laughs> Dr. Campbell has brought a lot of enthusiasm to the school district, a positive attitude. And I think that makes people happy in the workplace. And I'm I'm I don't know if you do it purposefully or it's just who you are. But kudos to you. And I, you. I don't know if you know if it's yeah. exactly who you are, or if you have to strive to be positive. No, it's definitely it's definitely a, a part of just who I am. Um, but it's also and I appreciate earlier we mentioned that word culture. Right. It's it's how does within our organization, what are some values? What are some beliefs? 
what are some practices that reinforce those values? And I think when when people say that she is positive, I appreciate that. But but there is some purpose behind that, that that it's it's not just all sunshine and rainbows, but it is saying, right, like there are really, really great things that are happening within and across our school district because of the people that makes that make up and create our school district. And we need to elevate and celebrate that. We need to identify, right, the things in which from staff members to our students to to our partnerships, we need to elevate that and celebrate that and and smile up on that. But then we also can look for opportunities where there are opportunities for improvement. And so I think that when people want and show up and feel a part of an organization, they feel aligned to the direction and the, that even creates the motivation and the momentum, right, to continue to improve. And so, yes, all of that is done with purpose. So I really appreciate the, the call out of the positive, positivity, but it is a part um, of just really our um, support of our culture that I know is so important to us moving forward in the direction which we're I, headed. I, I think a great example of that is how you answered the question about uh, living in the community in which you work, because that all depends on your perspective. And you yes. see it as a positive. Somebody else could see the exact same conditions as a negative, and you see it as a that's positive. True. And I think that's great. Let's take yeah. a quick break on the lowdown. We'll be right back. This is Mary Beth Harper, director of the Elmhurst Public Library, and you're listening to the E-Town Lowdown with your hosts, Robbie and Rick, but PK is the one with all the talent. And now, it's time for another installment of One Ponce a Time with lowdown legend PK and his overly enthused yesteryear expert friend, Elmhurst History Museum director, Dave Oberg. Hey, boys and girls. Did you know that a famed poet, author, and musician, Carl Sandburg, once called Elmhurst home? That's right. One ponce a time, Sandburg moved into our community with his wife Lillian and their three daughters in 1919 and lived here until 1928. Their modest frame house, built by Peter Terode in the late 1850s, stood at 331 South York Street. While living in Elmhurst, Sandburg would would win the first of his three Pulitzer Prizes. During his time here, he kept busy with a number of important projects that would continue to burnish his reputation. With his typewriter perched on an old orange crate, Sandberg spun poetic verse, children's tales, and even an iconic biography of America's 16th president. By the time he left here for Michigan in 1928, he had established himself as one of America's most important and evocative writers. So let's take a little deeper. Uh, Sandberg was born, he's an Illinoisan by birth. He was born in Galesburg in 1878. And before he comes to Elmhurst, he already has um, quite an interesting uh, career. He had studied at Lombard College. He had served in the 6th Regiment of the Illinois Volunteers during the Spanish-American War. And he'd already published several uh, successful books of verse, including his Chicago poems and Cornhuskers. And also uh, had a side job working for Chicago Daily News, writing movie reviews, uh, covering labor news, and even had a feature column for a while. His nine years in Elmhurst are extremely productive. Uh, he spins stories uh, that he told to his three daughters, Margaret, Janet, and Helga, into his first children's book, The Rutabaga Stories, and follows this with a second children's book in 1923, before turning to some much more serious fare. 
1926, he publishes his critically acclaimed biography of Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln the Prairie Years, and begins a compilation of 280 ballads and folk songs from all over the United States, which he is going to dub the Great American Songbag. Uh, it's uh, still a, a, an incredible work, really. Uh, he continues his passion for poetry as well. He creates four new books of verse while he's living here, Smoke and Steel, Slabs of the Sunburnt West, Selected Poems, and Good Morning America, and also lectures and performs extensively during the span. He's a very talented musician as well. Now, while Sandberg and his family uh, left Elmhurst in 1928, he's going to come back in, the, in 1960, actually, for a very special honor. Elmhurst Junior High School invited our literary giant to the rededication of the school as Carl Sandburg Junior High School in May of 1960. And during his remarks, the inspirational author, poet, and performer shared these words with faculty and students. You may become witnesses of the finest and brightest era known to mankind. The nations over the globe shall have music, music instead of murder. It is possible. That is my hope and prayer for you and the nation. Sandberg died in North Carolina in 1967, and we still have at the Elmhurst History Museum uh, some of his home movies of the family's time in Elmhurst and the typewriter he used while he lived here on display in the second floor gallery. A magnificent piece, and though the typewriter is silent, it is a living link to a legendary giant here in Elmhurst. Wow, Dave. Now that's a guy Pete Kruger would like working for him over at the Elmhurst Independent. Hi, this is Jack Island of the Silverado Grill. My definition of a great evening is yoga, Maryland crab cakes, and the Eat Down Lowdown with Robbie, Rick, and PK. Well, yoga and crab cakes. Okay, we're back here on the E-Town Lowdown with my favorite segment, the E-Town Lowdown Mowdown, where we're going to try to mow down our special guest, Dr. Keisha Campbell, to her very core. You ready, Dr. Campbell? I'm ready. Here we go. What was your first record album? Jackson 5? Uh, the book or the movie? Oh. Mm, movie. The Campbell Gymnasium or the old gymnasium? The South Gymnasium, I guess they call it probably. Mm, old Gymnasium. Coke or Pepsi? Oh, all day Coke. Red licorice or black licorice? Red. James Brown or James Taylor? James Brown. Favorite holiday? It's a really hard toss-up between Christmas and Thanksgiving. Both about family and that being thankful. Thanksgiving. No presents. Okay. I'll go with Thanksgiving. I'll go with Thanksgiving. Batman or Superman? Superman. Egg roll or burrito? Oh, burrito. Cubs or sacks? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with my father-in-love, Cubs. Dogs or cats? (laughs) Oh, dogs. Chicken or fish? Chicken. Okay, this is, you have three choices, base, back spot, or flyer? Spot. Golden apple or rotten tomatoes? Golden apple. (laughs) Of course. Of course. Barbecue or hot dog? Barbecue. Restaurant or home cooking? Restaurant. UIC or ISU? Oh, I'm going to go with UIC. Favorite author? Toni Morrison. Gates or Jobs? 
Gates. Will Smith or Chris Rock? <laughs> Chris Rock. <laughs> yeah, he's the one who got hit. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, going with the I'm not sure. I'm not sure that Will really hit him that hard, but yeah. oh yes, he did. Okay, paperback <laughs> or hardcover? Oh, um, that's good. It depends on the. It depends on the book, but I'm going to go with hardcover. Cheer or palms? Cheer. <laughs> Math or English? English. Favorite sport? Cheerleading. French fries or onion rings? Oh, French fries. Favorite movie? I love, okay, this is going to be fun. Okay, Zootopia. Interesting. Really? <laughs> I love Zootopia. Okay, last two questions. Appetizers or hors d'oeuvres? Appetizers. And the last one, PK. Whitney Houston or Mariah Carey? Mm, Whitney. Oh, I'm a Whitney fan all the way. <laughs> She's way better than Mariah. Mariah had a good voice back in the day. But... Yeah, yeah, Whitney. Okay, you uh, you scored a 92. That was a very, very good performance. But she made the Not A cut. Not quite perfect. Not quite perfect. There okay. was that Cubs answer that threw that it off. It off? But... It's still an A. We'll be right back. <laughs> okay. Hi, this is pro football journalist Matt Bowen. When I'm in the mood for Malort, it needs to be in a hot tub with PK and Rick. The E-Town Lowdown. My God, these guys are horrible. Okay, we're back on the E-Town Lowdown with our special guest, Dr. Keisha Campbell. And let's start by what you think makes a good teacher. Mm. Well, that's a simple question. <laughs> that's an open-ended question. <laughs> um, a couple of things that I think makes a good teacher is one, their ability to um, connect and build relationships with their students and, and their families. I think another thing that makes a really good teacher is their openness to continuing to learn um, and really learn for themselves, for their practice and for their craft, but also learn in order to continue to find ways to um, meet the needs of their of their students. And then I think a third thing that makes a teacher a really great teacher is just being a collaborator um, and working with others is really important. So what makes a good student? What makes a good student, um, or, or I, I shouldn't, I don't want to make it sound so just matter of fact, but I think a couple of qualities yes. um, okay. is one, a student to have just a growth mindset and being open to, again, learning and being open to um, just persevering and continuing to try Um even during difficulties or even as I go back to thinking about myself and being kind of closed and thinking that I wasn't a good quote unquote math student or whatever. And so just their, their ability to have that growth mindset to persevere. But that um, sounds like something that can be learned based on your experience. Oh, I definitely think that it can be learned. I think great. it can That's be hopeful. cultivated. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How important yeah. is an engaged parent to uh, students' ability to learn? Oh, I think it's extremely important. Um, it's a partnership. Um, education, as we know, 
it extends beyond just the classroom. Um, and I think being able to link, and that's why I'm really, really proud of just how engaged our parents and our community um, members are in our educational process and constantly thinking of ways that we can connect and extend learning beyond the classroom um, so that our students can be even further excel and thrive and be successful. And, and sometimes nowadays people change careers and become teachers. How does that affect a student? Do you think the student teacher relationship, do you think it makes a difference? For a career, for a career changer to enter yeah, yeah, as yeah. an educator? You know, like Joe Banker decides to become a teacher at York high school. I'm not, I'm not looking for a job. I'm just <laughs> No, I mean, I really think that, you know, um, whether you started out as, you know, saying that this was the, the my professional kind of goals that I had or somehow you change course. Um, I, I really think that as long as we're showing up that's and their committed. Own yeah, yeah, that's a part of yeah. their experience yeah. and their process that they evolved to in order to, you know, now be in service to students. So I don't want to ask a lot of questions about the pandemic. We're all tired of the pandemic. Yes. But I, it does <laughs> seem that post pandemic, not just in education, but the whole world is having trouble keeping employees and finding new employees. Has that happened in education too? Is it hard to keep teachers that have been around a while? And is it hard to find good new teachers? Well, I can speak specifically for district 205. We have, there, there's definitely, we've seen a national shortage um, of educators that um, has been shared across various news and media outlets. Um, This past Tuesday at our board meeting, um, I was so pleased to share um, that we've seen some stability here in District 205 as it relates to certified um, teaching positions. And we've also, since um, this past year, as we enter into the school year, have seen a, a slight increase in applicants um, so specifically applying for certified positions. And I announced and we celebrated the fact that here in District 205, we have over 98% of our certified staff positions filled. And so that is extremely commendable. And I just think goes back to show how amazing our community and school district is. And this is a place that, you know, people want to come and learn and work and continue to grow. What's the toughest part of your job? There, there, I would say, um, right now, um, there are a lot of thoughts, opinions, and perspectives about public education. And right now, and I think personally, um, I, I want to work to address Um, and I'm going to even say it and to please and to respond to, um, all stakeholders in an effort to collaborate and in an effort, um, to just be in service to our community. So I think right now, um, it's, it's, it's sometimes as you would say, um, and guess that it's not feasible and it's not always going um, to be possible because everyone is going to see 
things differently. Like they're, they're, everyone is not going to see things the exact same way, nor should they. So I think, you know, right now I'm really focused on every day serving our school community and trying to do what is best um, for students. So I would say that that's in a nutshell. So, and social media is so prevalent these days. How does that affect the students and the staff and, you know, the whole community? Yeah, well, honestly, I I love to see our community coming together um, via social media and the opportunities that it provides um, for us to connect. Um, we have, specifically in D205, we have a lot to share and celebrate whether that's our sports program, our fine and performing arts, other events. And so I see social media as an opportunity, as a gateway, as a vehicle to share, to communicate um, and, and to connect. It allows us to get our message out, to celebrate with various audiences across um, our community and beyond that might otherwise not have the opportunity to see and to hear what's going on at D205. There, there's that awesome perspective again couple of things that are have been happening the last year or two in the district that I want to ask you about one of which is a lot of construction yes the you know obviously the new Lincoln school opened you've got field now that's closed for the next year and the students are going elsewhere yeah. how has that whole process gone in terms of how's the new school how do the families cope with going to yeah. different schools for a year how's that going for you in the district yeah, it's a really great question. So first, let's start off with Lincoln. Um, nothing but smiling faces, um, whether that was for our supply drop off. We had our community ribbon cutting um, ceremony. Um, I had the privilege of being there on the first day of school. Um, so much positive, great feedback. Um, from students, from parents, from staff about the modern learning environments and how amazing it is to both learn and work in them. Um, I think that we were able to work out the kinks last year with Lincoln. Um, we spent a year with our Lincoln students being served at other campuses. We were fully prepared to implement this plan for now our field community. Um, one of the things that we heard a lot from our Lincoln students were how excited they were to meet new friends and build new relationships that they might not have otherwise had the opportunity to do so. Um, for a year being at a different school. So it's exciting to see how field students experiencing these same things this year. Our families, our students, and our staff at each of the schools have just been great throughout the process and have once again shared um, their excitement. I know one of the buzz terms the last year or two has been the, the implementation of social and emotional learning. What can you tell us about that and, and uh, what the advantages of that are? For the students. Sure. So first, I want to just um, say that social emotional learning is not new. Um, it has recently, um, as you mentioned, been a buzzword that has um, gotten a lot of attention. Um, but the adoption of the policy to address social emotional learning development took place um, in 2011. And so social emotional learning, specifically here in District 205, is focused on understanding ourselves and the world around us to encourage lifelong learning. And so I like to say you have to think about what are all of the skills um, that will equip and help our students 
be successful, not only in school, but beyond. So one of our visions here in District 205, our vision, not one, but our vision is for students to graduate prepared um, for college, for a career and for life. And so I think about, you know, you think about the academic core academic skills that we talk about when we talk about our core content areas of math and English language arts and the, science. We called it the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Written, okay, yeah, you think about that. But then you also think about the skills that accompanies that, that allows you to um, help, you know, set positive goals, establish healthy relationships, meet personal, personal and social needs, make responsible dis, uh, decisions. Um, these are these are the what we call the life skills and the skills that help students thrive within the classroom as well as um, beyond. And so, for example, developing self-management skills um, will allow students to cope, to manage, to navigate their emotions, their thoughts and their behaviors, setting, you know, relationship skills. So in the classroom, when we work together in a cooperative group on a project, what happens if I disagree with a peer or what happens in a kindergarten classroom when we have to learn how to take turns and maybe share a particular toy? Right. That's all fits under the umbrella of really developing those social as well as those emotional skills that we know are so in, incredibly important. I know that um, everybody has stress, right? We all bring stress to our level. I'm sure there's things you worry about as it relates to your career, not your personal life. But what, you know, the the expression is what keeps you up at night? Does anything keep you up at night? Is there is there something that worries you more than than another aspect of your job? No, honestly, when I think about that question, I think about our students. I think about our staff. Um, I think about our families. So if I had to really just package it and sum it up, I would say, just people and and constantly reflecting on what I can do as a leader in better service to those that I have the privilege of leading. And so for me, it's that constant reflection of how am I attending to the work that will have the influence and the impact on thousands of lives. Right that are attached to the Elmhurst Community Unit School District 205. Um, what an awesome task. It really is. Okay, now we're going to we're gonna forget about the boring stuff now. We're, the boring stuff's behind us. Okay. Boring for you. Boring for me. Okay. Not for us. It was very exciting. Okay. But now I we want to ask, now me. we're going to make it, well, you, she comes off, I'll tell you what, she's so enthusiastic. Right. But now you, you get to talk about really fun stuff. Okay. Your your life now. That other stuff wasn't fun. It was. That's you, what I said. You That's... make everything fun. Oh, but no, but now let's talk about your your I was ready life. To go back to school. Your personal life now. What what makes you tick? What do you love about Elmhurst? Let's start there. Mm. What do I love about Elmhurst? Um, I love the fact that we are a such a thriving community. Um that service with with such great levels of just diversity. Um, I love the fact that 
we have our you know so much to offer not only from our quality schools of course but um i love our downtown area um we enjoy um going to york theater um friday nights and then walking around the corner and getting some pizza and then picking up some ice cream um i i i love that this is just this home um and that I had the privilege of being raised here. And now I love the fact that I'm able to raise my daughters here. Do you, uh, are you a big movie theater popcorn person? I am. Oh, my wife just loves it. Oh, it's so good. With the extra butter. I don't know what that stuff is they put on there, but it tastes really good. I'm not sure it's butter. (laughs) It might be, but oh, we love your theater. Do you have any hobbies? Do you have time for any hobbies? (laughs) So I'm just slowly starting to explore gardening. Oh, nice. Hmm. Yeah. Um, And so my goal this summer was to, that I would just keep my flowers alive. Like Hmm. normally I don't necessarily consider myself having a green thumb, but I really engaged with the aunt that came over and kind of helped me build my routines around that and, they did really well. Something to be said for becoming one with nature, right? Yes. Yeah. Being outside right. and in the yard. So I've this I would say this summer more than ever that was that was that was that was a hobby for me. How about vacation? Did you guys get to go on a summer vacation or We anything? did. We actually went to Mexico this summer. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. It's hot in Mexico in the summer. You're supposed to go there in the winter. No, it was it was it was beautiful. It was wonderful. Do you the, have do you have a favorite vacation? I would say, you know what? I I probably would say would say Mexico. We that's a favorite of ours. So we we do we like the all inclusives. Mm-hmm. So like because at home I'm so busy and always kind of thinking about the coordination of things. For me, vacation is going to do nothing really slow. Yep. So some people like the excursions and like my best girlfriends like you know, they want to go and from the moment the sun rises, they have this itinerary there. I'm a pool girl. And so I like, I can get me a good book, sit by the pool. I'm good. And that to me is a really good vacation. So tell us about your family currently. So I am so fortunate. I have two girls. They are 18 months apart. Um, um, A fifth grader and a fourth grader. And my husband and I, and we live, we bought a home directly across the street where I lived. And so um, it just makes for just like the perfect scenario because I have my mom directly across the street um, from me and she supports my husband and I. We both work full time, have pretty full full agendas and full days and so my mom is just a blessing so she helps with pick up and drop off and taking the girls to extracurricular activities like she's feeding them now like she'll cook dinner and we have the privilege of going over walking across the street having dinner going back I mean it is it's pretty amazing and so and then I'm also really excited so my younger sister which I spoke about earlier um 
she, her and her husband have always lived out of state. So after she, you know, graduated from York and went off to college, um, she really didn't come back home. And so, and we're, we're, all of my siblings were really close. So my two older brothers are here in Illinois, but my baby sister, her and her husband has always lived out of state, most recently in the Washington, um, Maryland area, DC area. And last year in August, she moved back to Illinois. Wow. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. And then just, um, a little bit over, um, not just a little bit under a year, um, bought a home in where uh, else? Down the street, Elmhurst, Illinois. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is just amazing. So, so did, did your family ever watch the school board meetings or attend the school board meetings? <laughs> okay. To support. To so support this is you? a moment of truth. Okay. My mom comes. Oh, sits there. To physically comes to. Every board meeting. So, oh my gosh, did do you do you find that stressful? Does she find that stressful? It's watching her girl, it's, it's her nice. little girl. You it's know, nice to have the support, but yeah, I mean, how 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 does she take that? How do you take that? Yeah, no, that's pretty it's, neat. Yes, it's, it's it's pretty awesome. Like I think we consider her kind of like the the board of education, the board mom. Um, you know, she. You know, there there were there were some times when, you know, it was it was sometimes difficult for her to sit and listen um, to some of the public comments at times. And so she get a little squirmish during that time. But no, it's I mean, she's an educator. Right. So she understands and gets the work. And then she's been a leader and and she knows what comes with that. So I just think her presence and um, her support, just physically being there just in support um, is amazing. And and obviously her feedback, like she she gives she gives me great feedback. Um, my other I do have family members that tune in um, and and watch the I have best friends. Do, do you get like, home and get phone calls? And I, texts do, and- I do. I do. I <laughs> do. Like, oh, you know, and, and just give some some reflections and some thoughts. So but no, it's it's really important to um, have the support um, and in such a role. And so I'm super appreciative. Do you think that. maybe sometime you could uh, maybe go to a board meeting and bring some flowers to Dr. Campbell's mom? <laughs> <laughs> she'll she'll be there i think she literally in the last year maybe have missed one meeting like really like i think this answers our last questions yeah i think it might (laughs) so we have a question that we've been doing this podcast about four years and a couple years ago we started asking our guests my favorite is it your favorite question too okay go ahead and ask it well it's simple if if you were in a situation where you were going to be stuck in a foxhole you know (laughs) Who would you want to be with, or who would you want to be with you? And it can't, That's your it favorite can't, question. Oh, it is. Yeah. It can't be your spouse, though. Yeah, right. Like who? Who's that person that they got your back, or they would get you out of trouble, or you know, who would that be? So, can they be deceased? Sure. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I'm. I'm good with that. Okay. Because I would. You go- good with that? Yeah. Sure. No, yeah, he yeah, doesn't yeah. seem like he is. No, he's well, fine. Just because no. I'm disappointed, you didn't say your mom. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were oh, gonna say your mom. Actually, I would say actually I would say my dad. Okay, all right. Yeah, and, and I would he, say my dad. And he's no longer with. And us. he's no longer okay. with us. So, 
you know, since since he's no longer with us, then I think you said I can't say my spouse. Right. Okay. Uh, so that, then that's just too easy. That's, that's too easy. Okay. Then uh, yeah. Then 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 some the, people are compelled to say that even if they don't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that really would be. That's mine. why we don't allow. But it. my yeah. runner up would then would be my mom. Yeah, it would be my mom. Yeah. Second place, and she's at every board meeting. <laughs> yeah. Is she going to listen Mom, to this podcast? I hope I, I hope you're not crying right now when you Does listen she know to you're this. doing this podcast? Because she, she's she going to want to listen. She doesn't know I'm doing the podcast. Yeah. And she probably would. No, but she 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 knows. <laughs> Here we I, go. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, that is. I am back. I'm just. I'm gonna stop right now. <laughs> well, Doctor Keisha stop. Campbell, thank you so much for spending time with us tonight. Oh, thank you. This was so much was, fun. I hope you have me back. It was really oh, great. We'd love to. We had some technical difficulties and kind of had to rush through this tonight. Yeah. It's really great yeah. to get but, to know you better. Good. Yeah. Thank you, you for were, all you do. Uh, thank you. And I'm I'm feeling motivated right now too. She's just a natural <laughs> motivator. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye bye. The E-Town Lowdown, brought to you by the wonderful folks at the Elmhurst Armpit Orchestra, featuring the biggest bass drum in the world at nine feet in diameter. Yes, you heard that right, nine feet in diameter.